This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. So welcome back to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Brad Weinman from Hawaii Spas and Outdoors. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Thank you very much. So Brad and I met at the Master Spas Dealer Conference back in, oh man, end of October, early November. I don't even remember the exact dates anymore. But we happened to sit next to each other at a seminar and I was like, oh, this is an interesting story. So I put it on my list to follow mm. back up with Brad down the line. <laughs> Didn't realize it was interesting. <laughs> <I thought> it <laughs> <was normal. laughs> you got to be a specific kind of hot tub industry nerd. <laughs> so Brad, I don't know a ton of your backstory. And so I'm interested to learn about how you got started selling hot tubs in Hawaii. But before we even get to that, let's just talk a little bit about your personal background. Have you always lived in Hawaii? Did you move out there? What is What does that look like? No, I, I moved out about six years ago. I had taken a severance package from a corporate job in the cycling industry, and I was just got lucky. I sold my house, left the job. I had no debt, and I was honestly just living on my sailboat with my feet up working a couple of days a week just to keep busy. Didn't really have to work at that point. Mm. I was comfortably rich, but I just had zero expenses. And I was just kind of, what's next in life? And I was really just looking around the industry that I was in, which was the cycling industry and saw a job ad out here. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. So I called and they made me a pretty instant offer over the phone. And then I declined it. Reality set in and I was just like, oh, that's too far. Cause I'm an East Coast guy previously. Okay. And and they called me back and made me another offer and basically said, how about this? Come out for a few weeks. We'll pay for everything except your food. So give me a place to stay, car to drive, bicycle to ride, airfare. And it was a zero risk, three week working interview. If you like it, let's talk. If you don't like it, go back to Virginia and you got a trip to Hawaii. So by day three, I was pretty into it. And <laughs> I worked out the final two and a half weeks pretending like I was still on the fence, a little negotiation tactic. Yeah, I feel like that was pretty that was a pretty good move on their part. Like who goes to Hawaii and decides not to stay if you can. <laughs> Although it is pretty common that, that people stay for a very short period, a month, a year, two years. Sure. But it's so expensive. Probably. Like you said, I think you probably get out there and you're like, "Oh, you're living in paradise." And then reality sets in and you're like, "Oh, it's hard to live in paradise." Yes, for sure. My sister-in-law actually lived in Hawaii for she actually made it a couple of years, but yeah, she definitely ended up back on the mainland after she had her little girl. So threw kids into the mix and she was like, oof. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of the reasons people go back, whether it's to be around their grandkids or to be around their parents or just more resources for their family. Yeah, absolutely. But so how did you get into the cycling industry? Most people's backstory in the hot tub industry, people come from all kinds of different places, but I, cycling, that's a first for me, at least. I guess I was... 20, 21 years old, maybe. And I just loved riding my bicycle and I just needed a job. I was young. I was doing construction. It wasn't very fun. And I just went to one of the local bicycle shops. I was living in Orlando, Florida. I already worked on my own bicycles. And I thought, well, this will be a fun thing to do. And then here I am 20 something years later, 
still doing it. And I started as a mechanic, then I became a store manager, and then an operator for an absentee owner, then a sales rep, then a territory manager, and then exited. <laughs> or not necessarily exited, but yeah, then I took a severance package, left being a territory manager, and thought I would end up doing something different, reinvent myself. But then I ended up in Hawaii, not doing the same thing, but just wearing another hat in the industry. I opened up the retail store, the outdoor store, where we mostly a bicycle shop. And then like a boutique REI is what we started out before we got into hot tubs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Kona Sports Center. So that's where you ended up when you went to Hawaii. That's where you started working? Yeah. The people that actually brought me over to Hawaii, they they had a plan to open the store with a business partner. And things were not moving forward on the right trajectory with that partner. And when I moved here, I was looking to open a business or invest in real estate. And I was like, hey. I'd love to own a shop. I had done everything else in the industry, so it seemed like a natural progression. Yeah. And yeah. The, the store was honestly their idea. They had lived here for a very long time and knew that we needed a like a sports authority REI type outdoor sporting goods store for the community. So then did you go ahead and did you partner with them then? I'm sorry. I, I, you may have said that and, I'm, and I missed it. Yeah. No, I don't think I mentioned it. Yeah, we're business partners. So you're there selling sports equipment. How did hot tubs get into the mix? As I think everyone in the industry knows, Master Spa was a strong supporter of the Ironman event. And the Ironman mm-hmm. World Championship is held here in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. There were years that Master Spa was here and they would sell spas into the community. And then when they would leave, there was no support for the customer. There was a mm-hmm. lot of infrastructure that Master Spa was bringing over that they needed someone somewhere to deal with, to store. And I guess with somebody who's become somewhat friends with the Master Spa family, Master Spa, the local, not Master Spa directly, but some of the reps here, my rep, had approached that customer and said, hey, who do you know here that could be a point of contact on island, maybe would be interested in selling spas, has the room, and somehow my name came up. And they said, go talk to Brad <laughs> down at the sports center. He's got the room, he's got a mind, it's always working kind of thing. And so Master Spa came to myself and my business partner. And said, hey, you guys interested in selling spas? And we we're just, okay. <laughs> I didn't really know much about it. So we did our research and it seemed like it made sense to at least give it a shot. So that was right before COVID. It was early 2019. Okay. We started talking and we agreed that after Ironman that took place here in 2019, that whatever product was sold, we would become the retailer servicing it. And then any product that was left over would then become our inventory. Obviously we had to take on the financial responsibility for that. So it was a little mm-hmm. bit of a risk, but Master Spa was really good with working with us and helping us understand the industry and just overall being very fair with us as far as helping us get started. I think they wanted somebody here to help serve those customers and also yeah. saw the opportunity in the market. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. For as long as I've been in the industry, I'm not sure that I have ever talked to a retailer in Hawaii before, which surely you have some competition, but yeah, it seems like it might be a little bit of an untapped market. Yeah, our particular island, we don't have a very big population. We only have about 200,000 residents on the island and it's spread out over a very large area. Yeah, what island are you on? We're on Big Island. So an interesting time to get into the hot tub industry pre-COVID. I feel like, do you feel like you have a good sense of what selling hot tubs is really like after going through the pandemic? Or do you feel like you're about to get a taste of what the actual, I don't know, flow 
of running a hot tub yeah. store actually looks like. We we're definitely fishing in a barrel there for a while. The whole industry was obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's slowed down to a normal pace right now, which is it's right now it's actually nice. I enjoyed the revenue dollars. I think we all did of how busy things were COVID and post COVID while everything was still extremely hot. And it's evened out now to like I said, a more yeah. more manageable pace. But yeah, I think now we're starting to really we didn't sell a hot when we first took on the product in October of twenty nineteen, we didn't sell a hot tub until probably February or March, oh, okay. five, six months. We're thinking, oh, geez, what did we get into? What mistake <laughs> did we make this time? Kind of, yeah. Um, learn and move forward. And then, yeah, COVID hit. And then, as everyone knows, we just couldn't keep them in stock. And right. getting them here had some additional challenges being halfway across the Pacific Ocean. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that was something I was going to ask you about. The reason why one of the reasons why it ends up being so expensive to live in an island is that anything you can't produce has to be shipped. And obviously the same thing with hot tubs. And I think one of the things that people typically like about working with master spas is they're U.S.-based manufacturer. They produce their spas in Indiana, so they're not dealing with those shipping costs or tariffs or anything coming from overseas. But that's not necessarily the case for you. You still have to deal with how do I get these across an ocean? Yeah, so most of our ours come in. 45 foot high cube shipping containers, which I mm. thought was a standard. A month or two ago, I was talking to my inside sales rep and I was, you know, I said something to the fact of, I just sort of referenced as if it was the norm. Oh yeah, blah, 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 containers. You guys must do this all the time. And they said, no, it's just you. And then there's another dealer on Oahu, Master Squad dealer. Okay. Um, and they said, no, just you two. You're the only two that we're shipping containers to. And I was like, oh, I thought it was normal. <laughs> yeah, everyone on the continent there can just throw some in a semi or... I'm guessing they have other logistics companies that can maybe right. do a few at a time. I'm not sure, but yeah. yeah, we have to fill a 45 foot high cube container for it to be even remotely makes sense. Yeah. And that changes the game as far as inventory and storage and all of that. So when you are planning to bring over a container, do you like to have a certain percentage of those hot tubs already sold or do you want to have all of them sold? What do you, how do you deal with that? Cause that's, that's a layer that, yeah, most people in the industry don't have to deal with, or at least don't have to deal with now. They did during sold. COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love them all to be sold. I would love the container hits and I never have to sit on one or wonder who's going to buy it. It's reality, right, yeah. but it's the balance of master spots says, hey, here's the spots you have ready to ship. And then usually it's percentage of sold spots ready to ship. And then I look at which ones that I had in the queue that were what we just called stock or on floor inventory. Mm -hmm. And we add those to fill the container. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you, what's your, I guess, what's your storage situation then? Do you have to, do you end up having to have several that you have in inventory that are not on your floor? Or are you able to pretty much put all of them on your floor and not have to worry about finding a spot for them in the back? Yeah. So our new showroom, we're going to have about three total spots, which isn't a huge showroom, one swimmer and two hot tubs. And the rest we store on shelving. And then we actually have a really fortunate, amazing relationship with the person on island that moves the freight from the port into mm -hmm. town here. And he allows us to store them in his yard. Just whatever we don't sell, we leave in his yard, just like Master Spa or any other manufacturer would leave them outside wrapped up. Oh, and yeah. we just kind of pull from his yard as we need them, which is diagonally across from our warehouse. So it works out. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's fascinating. And also, yeah, that's pretty fortunate to have someone who will hold on to those for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another step of the equation is the, the 45 foot container arrives on either of the ports on the island for us, it arrives in Kauai High Port, which is on the west side. And then you have to have another party go and pick up the 45-foot container and unload it somewhere. So 
our first delivery he unloaded sat on and then i remember our first delivery we didn't have a forklift or anything and i had told him you got to let me know. I need to know when the container's coming. We didn't know how we were going to move it. It's uh-huh. actually a, the veterinarian with my dog who had just broken his foot. And my guys in the shop called me and they say, hey, there's some guy here dropping spas in the parking lot. And I just lost it. I, oh, I no. didn't know what to do. <laughs> so we had to gather some muscle and shuffle. And I was just like, I can't work with this guy. And now he's, like I said, he treats me and my partner like like we're his other sons. and just really good to us. So the relationship's come a long way in a few years. The last thing you want is just a bunch of, is a container of hot tubs showing up in your parking lot when you're not expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> so you went from starting to sell spas at the end of 2019, went through a couple of months where you had that learning curve of selling hot tubs where you didn't, didn't sell any, then the pandemic, which is insane. But now you've mentioned you guys are opening up a new showroom and you're actually rebranding from Kona Sports Center to Hawaii Spas. And outdoors, it sounds like in a pretty short amount of time, you guys have really gone, maybe not all in, but have decided that hot tubs are the way you want to move. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think that, why do you think that is? What is it about the hot tub industry that you're like, okay, we like this. We want to put more of our eggs in this basket than we maybe intended to. We did fall into it. So we never went seeking it out. So we didn't Mm -hmm. have really any, we didn't go in with a perception of this is going to be or not going to be a main revenue source or a main place that we want to spend our time but we just it's a lot more simple than the business that we currently run our retail outdoor business and you figure how many shoes you have to stock to sell Mm -hmm. one model Mm -hmm. how many hot tubs you have to stock it is bigger dollars bigger investment bigger risk but at the end of the day we would rather sell a hot tub than have to sell 150 pair of shoes to to get to the same dollars so that's definitely a part of it yeah Um, I think my partner that helped helping me run Hawaii Spawn Outdoor, we like the nature of the business right now where we do have a salesperson, but David and myself, we handle the installation and the service. And we got aspect of it. We like having to figure out the puzzle of how to get a spa over a lava rock wall in between their palm trees and under their gazebo they built. So we like that aspect of it. And kind of another another connection to the community too, meeting all the different people that mm-hmm. want a hot tub. So there's a couple of things that you said that I'm going to want to touch on. <laughs> The first of all, I like, I think it's great for people in the hot tub industry to hear that this is less complicated than the other retail you were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure most of them do not feel that way about their business. Obviously, selling and installing and servicing hot tubs is its own beast. But yeah, compared to, like you said, trying to decide how many shoes to bring in, and then the margins are so much smaller. And Yeah, that can get way more complicated than, like you said, bringing in the three most popular sizes and models of hot tubs and selling them. It's almost, yeah, do you want it in graphite, midnight, or espresso versus (laughs) nine and a half doesn't quite feel right. Do you think I should go up to a 10? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Always go up to the 10. No, that's so funny. Maybe I shouldn't say it's less complicated. It's a different kind of complicated, but it's from an inventory management perspective. It's definitely easier from a number of vendors perspective it's easier number of SKUs, it's easier Mm -hmm. definitely a more simple in terms of inventory management yeah yeah absolutely so then the other thing you said that i want us to talk about further is so it's you and your partner so the owners of the business you are the ones who are 
who enjoy the part where you're like going out, doing the delivery and doing the service. Because I feel, again, it's usually the other way around where the owner is the one who would rather be in the store doing the sales and dealing with that part of it than the one who has to go out and deal with the customers when they're maybe unhappy trying to service a hot tub or dealing with the logistics of, like you said, getting it over a lava wall <laughs> and into the backyard, which again, is not something that very many hot tub retailers are saying that they have to maneuver over lava walls. <laughs> yeah, no, he's definitely done plenty of those. Yeah, no, when we had one of our shows out here, I think it was the last Iron Man. I can't remember which salesperson came out, but they were essentially saying that when they were doing their sales portion, they're like, this is where I'm element, where I'm in my element. This is where I shine. This is where I feel natural. And I had an epiphany there that oftentimes people have one role where they just feel at home or one role they would rather do or be their profession. And I had to kind of stop and think about it. And I was like, no, I actually really enjoy the lifting heavy stuff and moving heavy stuff. And I just, I'm not a big guy either, but just using the right tools that we have, I enjoy that mechanical part of it. And even the service, I would definitely rather have a service guy, but along with a low population here, we have a very low amount of skilled labor people and it's a little bit of a specific or specialized industry. So yeah, if I had a great service guy, I would send someone out on that for sure. But <laughs> now we handle it all. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's great too. Like you said, thinking about what do I really enjoy and really want to do as part of this business? Because I think, I'm not sure there's anyone who has gone into business for themselves who hasn't had a moment where they're like, what have I gotten myself into? I'm stuck doing the bookkeeping or the or dealing with the taxes or it could be anything, right? Where you're just like, this is not what I want to be spending my time on. So that's great that you were like, yeah. you know what, this is what I actually like. And so that's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to focus for now. So that's pretty good. Worked out well so far. Yeah. Of course, delivering spas is probably a young man's game. So at some point you may not want to still be doing that, but for now, right. yeah, it's nice to get out there and work up a little bit of a sweat. Right. My partner, when I say my partner, he's the one that helps with all my jewelry. He's not necessarily my business partner, but oh, okay. he calls our old man game. <laughs> we have to work on our old man game now so that when we're old, we know the right ways to move, the right, make all the dumb, heavy lifting mistakes now so that as we age, we can still be able to move spas. And yeah, the reality is we're probably not going to be 60, 70 years old and moving spas, but there is something to be said for if you still can at that age, you're probably in pretty good shape. So. <laughs> That's true. My husband calls it his old man strength. There is, something, <laughs> there is something about having been there and done it before where you can, I don't know, you can just handle it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about this new showroom that you guys have been working on. What does that kind of look like? We've been talking to, we always have, we have our spa retailer panel and a lot of this issue, we're talking about expansion and opening new stores and what that looks like and some of the challenges with opening a new location. And so did you have a wish list of things you wanted when you were looking for a new spot or yeah, how did you go about finding the new place? So along with everything, it's a theme out here in Hawaii. We don't have the same resources and selections mm -hmm. that you have necessarily on the mainland and our city is much smaller. So Location was really important. Every business, houses, businesses, location, right? right? So we knew that where we were now was a pretty good location. We're not right in town, but we're not so far outside of town that it's inconvenient for people. We're actually on the edge where people that don't want to drive all the way into town and deal with, we're a tourist destination. So a lot of times we get a lot of traffic from visitors and the day-to-day. -day. People need to go to the bank right in town, being just out, barely outside of town. And when I say outside of town, it's not like rural where we're, we're like two miles 
from the center of everything. Our location is very convenient for people to, if they're coming over from the other side or they live just outside and they don't want to have to go down to town, they can get in and out of our general area real easily. We also, there's a new Starbucks that opened and a gas station that's iconic, not because it's an amazing, anything different. It's just one of the few gas stations right there on the edge of town. So yeah. the Starbucks, the gas station, and then we're right across from the harbor in town. So it's landmark location. We knew we wanted to stay in that area. And then it was just a matter of how <laughs> the word desperation comes to mind, but it was mm, just a matter yeah. of where can we find a warehouse. We were really just looking for a warehouse at that point because we knew we needed storage. So we lucked into this warehouse and then knowing we needed a showroom. Before COVID, we had spas set up as a showroom. But since COVID, we haven't had any wet spas or even spas laying down. COVID was so good to us that we could just sell a spa without really even showing it. Yeah. So this, I would say that new for us, but getting back to what's normal for the industry, knowing we had to have spots on display, we had to find warehouse space that was obviously accessible parking, had our area that we could make look presentable for the showroom, and that was convenient for our deliveries and for where we live, how we found the space. We just got really got lucky on the space. Yeah, I think that's a recurring theme too, or at least that's how most people feel when it comes to finding a new location. It's like, sometimes you look and look for years and then you're like, oh, that's the one. <laughs> but it sounds like yeah. you didn't have that kind of time, it sounds like. Right. Yeah, it was a lot of looking and commercial space is very expensive out here. It's one of the challenges to doing business in Hawaii. It sounds like you did score a great location. The Starbucks alone would be a plus for me as far as going to work every day. <laughs> yeah. So the new warehouse is just a few blocks behind the Starbucks. It's actually a warehouse space and there's four warehouses in a row. And we're really lucky because we're the end warehouse. We're the nicest row. So the three rows behind us are a little bit more warehousey. And when you get to our, mm -hmm. our neighbor next door is a custom cabinet fabricator that does all high-end stuff. And then next to them is a custom countertop company. And then the very end unit is a high-end European auto repair shop and custom shop. So we're like the, our row is like the outdoor and the higher end customer. But the very nice right. thing is we often share customers. That's we, awesome because you're in a, you're in a block with people who could afford hot tubs. If they're getting custom countertops or custom cabinets or getting their luxury European sports car work done. Yeah. How great that while they're waiting for their appointment, they can just swing on by to your store and, and check it out. Yeah, we've definitely, I think we've sold two so far hot tubs to the European car customer that was just down there and they're walking out to the street to catch their Uber, meet their wife or get in their other car. And they're like, oh, yeah. I've been looking for a hot tub place. We keep the doors open and you can see the hot tubs. We have them lined up real nicely. The showroom portion in the back isn't complete yet. We're hoping to get the floors done this week and get the spas down next week. We do have spas standing up, nicely displayed. And the, we keep the warehouse very clean and very well organized. All the mm -hmm. lifters are, the writing's going the same way and the Boxes of steps are all facing the same way. So it looks really clean and really mm -hmm. nice. And the other part is here in Hawaii, people understand so the same showroom in a warehouse might not be as presentable as somewhere on the mainland or in a thriving metropolis where people are chasing shiny objects here. They're just excited. They're like, oh, wow, a hot tub. Great. And the fact that it's in a warehouse isn't really a detractor. People are often just happy to find whatever product they were looking for or didn't know that they needed. That's a great point. And I think that is... I mean, that's true wherever you're at, right? You need to know your audience and know your customer and know what they care about. And yeah, if you're living on an island, your expectations are going to be different than if you're in the middle of a metropolitan area in a city. Like, like you said, I think that's wisdom for anyone across the industry. Like it doesn't 
necessarily have to be super fancy and incredibly luxurious. It just has to fit the people that you're trying to sell to. For sure. For sure. And obviously we would love the shiniest and the fanciest showroom in the world, but just wild people when they walked in. But right now what we have is wowing them. (laughs) (laughs) The next question then is, where do you see this going in the future? What are your kind of, what are your dreams for this business as it continues to grow? Ultimately, as much as I enjoy it, my dream would be that someone runs a business and I'm on the beach somewhere, banging <laughs> and fishing and relaxing. Yeah, you're back on your sailboat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wondering what to do next. I think as it levels off, it should be a pretty steady business. Both my day-to-day partner and myself, we have a few other business ventures, so we're okay with it being just steady or whatever mm-hmm. it is. We also have a few other products that we're working on bringing in that goes along with the outdoor portion. We're actually bringing in some of the the steps and some of the the wraparound portions of the hot tubs that mm-hmm. go with the spas that you have a little mini bar, a place to store your towels and the steps that integrate with the spa. We're also looking at some other outdoor equipment that I think it's pretty common for the other spa companies to be diverse in their offerings. So we're looking at doing some other outdoor furniture and some outdoor fun games and things like that that should go well with the outdoor lifestyle. At the end of the day, I recently listened to a or listened to a book on tape and they talked about what are you selling, the product versus the commodity. And I had a like a reverse epiphany. I was like, oh wow, that's boring. I just sell hot tubs. And then I a few days later, not still necessarily thinking about that topic, I realized that we're not selling hot tubs. We're selling relaxation. We're selling time with their family. We're selling therapy. We're selling rehab for somebody who wakes up with a sore back. So we're really now focusing on that we're selling the lifestyle, we're not just selling spas. And then what products are going to complement that fun lifestyle, that lifestyle that brings families together. And then obviously healthy life, well, have a healthy lifestyle, but obviously looking at profit too. We want whatever we sell to be very profitable. Yeah. No, that's I love that. And it's nice that you came to that epiphany early. I think it sometimes takes people years and years before they get to the point where they're like, yeah, I maybe should market these a little bit differently because it's not just... Because, yeah, people don't buy it because they want a hot tub. They buy it for all of those other reasons that you just stated, the experience, the health and wellness, the time with their family. And also for you, again, it's people don't move to or live on an island like Hawaii to be spending time indoors. Like they're there to enjoy as much of that weather and beauty as possible. And so here's another avenue where they can do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're usually orienting the hot tub to where you can see the ocean. <laughs> where can we get a view? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As you should. Yeah, you need to probably start sending us some install pictures because I have a feeling that they're going to be unlike the ones that we typically see. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. I'm not the best photographer. And oftentimes, it's, oh, I want to see this when you finish, when you build a pergola and we get all the stone in. And often we're sort of there at the three-quarter way of their backyard vision. But of course. have some that, that lend a nice idea of their relaxation looks like. Yeah, absolutely. No, every once in a while we do more consumer facing photo shoots. So yeah, you just let us know when we need to come out to Hawaii and do a photo shoot there in one of your installs. Today's modern hot tubs not only have to be quiet and efficient, they have to be easily serviced. There's been a lot of changes over the years. In the beginning, spas just had a few jets. Everything was held together by wood and foam. Max Spas is really proud of how far its spas have come. The most important thing that it's learned is that it's all about how it's built. 
Max has designed its spa so that a technician can maintain them like any other home appliance to make sure they work the same way they did the day they were made. That's what Max is most proud of. To learn more, visit maxspas.com. So I've been to three islands, but I have not been to the big island yet. So this would be, it would be a new place for me to visit. Very nice place. It's definitely the more rural of all the islands, hence the sparse population per, yeah. per mile. Yeah, per I, mile, but. of the islands that we visited, Kauai is my favorite for that very reason. It's not quite as busy, not as touristy, not as commercialized as Oahu and Maui. And so, yeah, I that probably the big island would be right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, it's most people that like Kauai, like Big Island, they're similar, except Big Island, everything's a lot more spread out. Okay. Bigger. Sure. Yeah. No, quite is small. You touched on the service aspect a little bit, but I feel like that's probably one of the big changes between what you were selling before versus now is obviously the delivery. You've got to take this giant box of water to their house, but then also you have to have the infrastructure to fix things when it breaks. So what was that transition like for you guys? You mentioned that you enjoy that part of it, but, but yeah, that's not the if you're in retail, strictly retail, adding that on is not always the easiest venture. No, it's not. And also when, you know, customers are like, oh, you just delivered this. It's not doing this or that. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, I can't come look at your, like you said, your box of water. I've got a retail store to run, but mm-hmm. definitely a, almost like a Tetris game of, okay, where can I plug in my service days? How can I keep all the customers happy that want me to come out? And a lot of it is learning and I'm still learning that Often there's nothing wrong with the hot tub, but it's often user error, like they overfilled sure. it or somebody flipped a breaker or somebody spilled something in the hot tub that they shouldn't. So a lot of it's learning, seeing the yeah. problems enough. Or I they've never cleaned their, their they've never cleaned their filters. <laughs> They're disgusting. Yeah. I got there's water no cloudy <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah. All of a sudden they mean two years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. The water's cloudy. But yeah, no, it's been, yeah, that's challenge not like a, i wouldn't say a struggle but definitely a challenge and learning how to, and also keeping the parts in stock because if we have a bad board or a bad not a lot of stuff on the spot self goes bad but if the customer does need a part and it's a warranty part the customer mm-hmm. expects it now for master to ship us a simple item can be 60 100 dollars or more so i'm not sure how other dealers do it i'm assuming they keep an inventory but when i became a dealer mm-hmm. talked to the master spot tech team and i said hey build me your most common parts that I'm going to need out here. And I will just keep them in stock. And that was partly me wanting to be a good partner to Master Spa, knowing if they have to ship a board out or if they have to ship a a light, a little, the motherboard for the lights on a spa, if they have to ship these little pieces out, it's costing them a lot of money. And I didn't want years later, they look at me going, oh man, we're spending a lot of money sending Brad and twice spas and outdoor all these parts. So I just, I keep a running inventory as much as I can of all mm-hmm. the, repair parts and service parts I'll need and then luckily their internal system must be really good because I can always select when I order parts just to ship on the next truck so when I get my 45 foot container of spas there's often the boxes I need of those warranty parts or I can work with the tech department and say hey I'm using this for my inventory I don't need you to waste money sending it to me just order one put it on my next shipment and then we reconcile the cost on the inventory side the Mm -hmm. service side between our, our our accounting department and our service department. But getting the parts, like any industry here, is definitely a challenge. 
Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next question actually is I think everyone keeps those certain things in stock that they know they're going to need that are going to need to be replaced or are the items that tend to, they tend to have trouble with. But for that other stuff, it's, I think people are just get it overnighted or comes in a couple of days and it's not a big deal as far as that goes. And it's not incredibly more expensive to do it that way. But yeah, that's a completely different ball game for you. There's no overnight this or get it the next day like Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no. I would imagine too, that would make it a lot harder to to make your service department a profit center. Yeah. It's, you, like, the good thing, as you're saying, I was realizing that something I often share is that people that live here and that are accepting of that that is one of the challenges getting the things that people are so much more used to getting quickly over on the continent or the mainland people are used to it they know and oftentimes they're really just excited that we actually came out and that there is a service person that's one of our strengths in selling the swaz sure that we're able to service it for them which i know all markets are like that but people just really get excited and they're like oh wow there's actually a dealer here and i can get the mm -hmm. service done so it does work on our side when people are understanding that we can't just have it come over and USPS and be here tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It does take time often. And most of the customers are all rational and reasonable and understand that it takes us a little bit of time to get the parts. I think you're blowing people's minds right now. Customers that are rational <laughs> and reasonable about when they get their hot tub fixed, like that sounds like a dream world for most people. <laughs> yeah. We fire the other customers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's not the worst strategy, actually. <laughs> I think during COVID, we could pick and choose. And now it's, okay, how do I make sure that I'm giving them, meeting their expectation mm -hmm. and providing what they expect and doing a good job and building yeah. on my game? Yeah. No, actually, it's interesting that you say that because I think that for everybody in the industry, there's been this, okay, we've got to return to the level of customer service that we were either doing before COVID or in your case, okay, this is what we need to move toward because yeah, it is a high-end product. And no matter how understanding people are about what it's the realities of living on the island, <laughs> at some point they're like, no, I need you to actually get this done. <laughs> but I just love listening to really how different it is to do business there. Obviously, like the business fundamentals are business fundamentals, but it is, it's pretty interesting to see the differences between how you need to and operate your business versus someone, like I said, in a metropolitan area, it's a really different mindset. But it seems normal to me, not that I've lived here a super long time, but yeah, to me, I'm like, yeah, this is how we do it. But yeah, I guess it's, it is interesting to to learn how other people operate their business. And that's one of my favorite things about attending any of the dealer shows or sales events or anything I go to, and it always has been in industries, is meeting with the other dealers. I always often tell people the most valuable part is not always what the industry is hosting. Sometimes mm -hmm. the most valuable part is just talking with your colleagues and your peers and little nuggets and tricks and their experiences. Sometimes it's just commiserating on, yeah, we all have sometimes that same customer, but often learning some of the really valuable do's and don'ts from other people in the industry and learning how they do it is always, always valuable. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. My time as a business owner, I think that's the thing that I found most valuable too, right? Is getting involved with either other just right business owners or finding other publishers that I can, like you say, commiserate with. <laughs> you need that, you need that advice and that support, not only to help you run your business, but also just for your own mental health, I think. Yeah. And what gets more sometimes 
manufacturers or sales reps, or they, not they haven't been in our shoes, but it just doesn't get a lot more real than talking with somebody who's doing the exact mm-hmm. same thing that you're doing day in, day out. Yeah, just talking about it together. Yeah, and also not saying that sales rep and people from the manufacturers like aren't honest. They have their own agenda and they have their own goals that they're trying to accomplish with your relationship. And so it's different than the kind of advice and conversations you can have with someone who is completely in your shoes and has no skin in the game, whether or not you're successful or not. (laughs) I will say, I feel like I, I have a very special relationship with the most direct salespeople that work with Master Spa that have been amazingly good to me and I have actually I'm pretty sure I've thanked them all directly uh, and told them (laughs) how valuable they've been and in my success and how much I appreciate them but yeah we all have our agenda right even having those conversations with those people that you're close to it's almost like a family member or brother that you can when you need to call them out but at the end of the day it's hey we're still family we're still working towards the same goal but we have things that we each have to get done I'm sure they're thrilled to, like you said, have someone there to take care of these hot tubs that they've sold at the events and stuff. That's got to be a huge stress relief for them because otherwise, yeah, who's dealing with that (laughs) after they leave? And it it does give us uh, another angle with our customers too, because I think they understand that we're it. If you find a guy that takes care of Mm -hmm. something or here or a person, as a customer, you also have to be understanding that this is the person you have to work with. You got to learn to work together. And I've interestingly had a, a few customers that or one of the salespeople that sold a spa here, we never, with salespeople and people in general, we don't always like each other. We all have different personalities. And we have a particular customer that bought a spa from one of the master spa sales representative people. And the customer and I just weren't getting along. And the particular salesperson said, hey, Brad, this is your customer now. You two need to get on the same page. And it was, again, an awakening moment. It was like, yeah, he's right. Like, I can't turn to the salesperson on the mainland now and say, talk to my customer. It's now my customer. And that customer ended up coming into my office because we both felt that we were both just, we're not on the same page. And he came in and afterwards, he's like, I am so glad I came in and got to talk to you. And now when I see him in the Starbucks drive through his wife all the time, I wave, hey, Pat, how's it going? <laughs> you know, but it, it, took, it took me learning that we're all going to have different personalities and the salesperson might sell the spa, but at the end of the day, that's my customer and I have to get on the same page with them or learn how they tick and they have to be accepting of me too that, hey, they might not love me at first, but I'm the guy servicing their hot tub. So definitely the give and the take in the customer and I guess me salesperson or mm-hmm. proprietor, I should say, of, and representative for master spas, selling yeah. the spas out here. It's funny because like sometimes those relationships end up being the most rewarding. I don't know if it's because you have to work harder at them, <laughs> but there is something yeah. about overcoming some of those obstacles and doing it in a way that you both know that's what's happening. You're not trying to you're like, all right, let's sit down and have a real conversation about this. But yeah, everyone comes away probably more satisfied with the outcome. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Brad, is there anything else that you think we should know about your business? Anything else you've learned from your short time in the hot tub industry that you think the industry would be interested to know about? That's a tough one. I don't know. I think... I'm not saying this is like a shameless plug for Master Spa, but what I've learned in the industry is I think they make a pretty darn good product and a really great company to work with. And having been in the cycling industry and the outdoor industry, I've worked with a lot of manufacturers and I do really enjoy the support I get from my rep and from the some of the sales people that work for Master Spa that have really helped me understanding the product and service and how the industry works. 
much. I really enjoy working with Master Spa, and I honestly, I wish I got into the spa industry sooner. I'm kind of, wow, <laughs> where were you guys 20 years ago? But sometimes it doesn't matter how you get there, what path you take, just finding that path that works for you. And who knows, 10 years from now, I might be doing something different. Who knows? Yeah, or like you said, you're hanging out at the beach and your store's running itself. <laughs> yeah. That would be very nice. Very nice. That's the, that's a dream for all of us business owners. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the spa retailer five. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So first, do you remember the first hot tub that you sold? Yeah. I remember the first sale that we lost, which was our first potential sale. We did not end up selling to that person. <laughs> I don't remember the actual first sale though. I remember this guy being just really cantankerous and cranky and we couldn't get on the same page. And I don't remember the actual first one we sold, but I remember that was the first. He bit the hook. He was there. He was ready to spend the money. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> your first, you remember your first no, not your first yes. <laughs> yeah. What was your first real job? Were you like delivering newspapers or flipping burgers or what was that first paycheck? First, it was my really, I really went to work, but it was off the table and things like it was like a sort of a handshake job. I was working for a guy in a flea market and he, we were a bird breeder. And then we also sold greeting cards. It was a really weird like okay. flea market booth. I wish you could see my face right now because <laughs> <laughs> I like you started with bird breeder. And it was like, I'm sorry, what? And then you ended with greeting cards. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's yeah. great. What did you do for him? Did you just help him out in the booth or what? Yeah, it's one of those things where my mom volunteered me. She's like, oh, my son needs a job. He's 14. He needs something to do. And the guy's like, yeah, I could use someone to help me. And it was everything from feeding the baby birds to cleaning the cages to selling them, hauling bags of feed for a bird seed from the truck in. And then at the end of the day, we'd have to pack them all up in the van. Yeah. I don't know how we got into greeting cards, but yeah, the green <laughs> also became a two booth connected. I'm guessing he probably bought someone else's business that didn't want to do it anymore. And it was a booth next to us. So we were, sure. yeah, birds and greeting cards. <laughs> That's amazing. Of all of the <laughs> first job stories I've heard, that is a, that is unique unto itself. <laughs> You look back and it hasn't been that long, but when you look back, is there a, an idea or product or anything that you tried that you're like, wow, that was a flop. That did not work out the way I had expected. No, not really. There is a, a particular model of spa that I didn't realize existed. And I was like, oh, wow, I want to stock this one. And now it's one that I'm telling my salespeople, stop selling that. We don't want to sell that model just because it kind of it's a weird crossover place and size and price. And I'd rather bump people up to the next model, which mm -hmm. is nicer and not that much more. So in terms of there's a model, yes, but the opposite of something I wish I knew existed is when I first became a dealer, I did not know about all the specialized equipment for moving spas. And I still oh, to this yeah. day give my rep a hard time. I was like, why didn't you just grab me by the shoulders and say, you must order these 10 pieces of equipment or you're not a spa guy at all. <laughs> and we struggled for a while. Moving spas the old-fashioned way, and now that we have this equipment, we wow people, we wow ourselves. It's much yeah. easier, it's efficient. It's, yeah, so that's, that's the opposite of something I wish I knew existed that right. we didn't know for a solid year, maybe longer. That is painful. All right, so let me guess. So, so you got a spa dolly? Yeah. Like the equivalent <laughs> of, right? Got the spa dolly. I can't remember what they're called, but like the blow-up things that you put underneath so you can drop it down. Yeah. <laughs> The wedge, the hot top. The wedge, yeah, there you go. It, yeah. Got it, got it, yeah. No, you know, it, it is funny. Like, I, it is amazing 
how long sometimes people are in the industry before they realize that some of these tools already exist. <laughs> yeah. We often have debates of how the spa dolly came to invention. I'd love to talk to the person that actually invented it, but we have some comedic, probably better for off-air, debates of how those products came to fruition. But yeah, it, they're amazing. Love them. You no, know, and the funny thing, so Alan Boltman, they're the guys who do the spa dolly. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. They are like in this really small town in Kansas. <laughs> So yeah, it's actually pretty, it's pretty fascinating. I'm not sure that we've actually even talked to them about how they first invented the spa dolly, but we should put that on our story ideas list. <laughs> I'm going to have them on the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Let me know when you do that one. So on the flip side, I guess though, sorry, I, and to everyone listening out there, I realize that when I ask these questions, I always say, so on the flip side, and it annoys me probably as much as it annoys you. But anyway, <laughs> on the flip side, what would maybe be one of the best ideas that you've brought to your business? So maybe it was the spa dolly, or maybe it was just starting to sell hot tubs at all. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best idea I've brought to my business, but I think when I go to conferences or if I go to events. I always ask my staff or I try to ask myself, what are my takeaways? What are, I, what are the must-dos? What are the we would like to do? And I think the most important thing I've learned is having a wet spa, wet hot tub, yeah. swim spa more so. Having them up and running, you're just going to sell more. Mm -hmm. So I think shifting to that, which we're in the process with our new showroom, I think that's going to be really pivotal. I think the best thing I've done is really, yeah, just simpli simplifying the business. The fewer vendors you have, Obviously, you need more people, manpower, person power to grow. But I think simplifying your business is probably the best thing you can do if you can maintain profitability and just keeping it simple. All right. So last question. Do you have a favorite book or television show or podcast? They can be business related or totally just entertainment. Oh, man. I do a lot of books on tape. So I spend a lot of time riding my bicycle to and from work or in the mm -hmm. car driving or doing yard work I have, and reading puts me to sleep as much as I love it. One thing I love about technology is I love books on tape, Audible, plug for Audible. <laughs> yeah. And I don't treat myself to these like fantasy ones where I get lost. I don't listen to fiction. It's always for me, self-development business. I'm trading with mentors and friends books. And I just recently listened to, I think the best one that I'm going to go back and listen to multiple times. And it's, I can't remember if it's the five levels of leadership or level five leadership, but it is so amazing and touches on so many parts of our life, how we can be a better business leader, how we can be a better partner in relationships, whether it's friendships, your you know, wife, partner, however, if it's in your community. But one of the most interesting takeaways that I just listened to in that book is oftentimes in business, we're looking at depreciation, right? Writing off an asset or what this asset's worth now. And one of the most powerful things in the book you said says is, our people are our most appreciable asset. And if you think about that in terms of not just your business, but your friendships, your family, your community, and how we can give back every single day. If you just approach each day with how can I better myself? Because as we better ourselves, we can then help better the people around us and just lift each other up. And that's kind of, I know it sounds cheesy and almost not philosophical or metaphysical, but it's really, <laughs> just, yeah, level five leadership or five levels of leadership, whichever one, but really powerful book that I, think that if, if someone listens to it and they're not moved to do better and you know, just really help your business, help your relationships. Like I said, I'm just finishing it now and I'm about to go back and listen to it again, but this time taking note, what are the 20% of things that I need to do that are going to make things 80% better? The 80-20 mm -hmm. rule exists mm -hmm. everywhere, but yeah, what are those things, the must-dos and the I would like to do that are really going to move the needle and make 
our lives better. Yeah, no, I love that. And honestly, I think that a lot of times it's those quote unquote soft skills and training that makes the biggest difference, right? It's yeah, I'm a big proponent of doing that quote unquote self work, <laughs> which yeah. again, yeah, it sounds cheesy. And sometimes it takes me a minute to get over myself to really get in the mindset to, to learn that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, it can make the biggest impact in your business is really working on yourself and learning how to be a better leader, whatever that happens to mean for you. Yeah, definitely. It's a new challenge. It's kind of got me more excited about each day. That's awesome. No, that's always great too. That's so good to hear. We'll definitely link to the book, whichever title it is in the show notes. So other people can check it out, but Brad, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This was fun. I have a feeling that I'm going to get off this one and I'm going to think of four or five more questions I'd wish I'd asked you about either living in Hawaii or doing business in Hawaii. Yep, living in Hawaii. The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa retailer.com. Thanks for listening.